the other part too is like as much as I like Robert Forrester and I appreciate the relationship between her and her father in a two hour movie, you go to that a couple of times and it's fine in a 40 minute TV show. You go to it 10 times and it seems (laughs) like, wow, she's really got some daddy issues. Maybe I don't know. (laughs) She really needs her father there for everything. uh, Or he doesn't have, you know, he he's constantly smothering his daughter. So it gets a little weird to go back and forth between her sexy scenes with Robert Patrick, and then she's talking to her dad about it. There is an article on the Baltimore Sun that covers that exact aspect (laughs) of the constantly going back to daddy for everything, like where they do jam it in like 20 times in a single episode, like, dad, what should I do now? Dad, I I dropped my keys. Should I pick them up? (laughs) Dad. (laughs) Do you know what uncancel means? Have you ever thought about what happened to those TV shows that were advertised every single week until their plug was ultimately pulled? Well, we have. Welcome to the show that's bringing that TV back from the grave. We review pilot and finale episodes of television series that disappeared as quickly as they debuted. Maybe we will like the show enough to want to bring life back into its corpse, or maybe it's better left dead. Will we leave it in the trash or will we give it a second pass? Either way, this is uncanceled giving Trash TV the chance it never deserved. Now they're all gone, canceled on and on, but they're never gonna be canceled. Quick pause for station identification. Not satisfied? Head on over to Uncancelled on Patreon. For prices as low as $2.99 a month, you'll get early access to each and every episode this season, as well as outtakes and bonus content. That's patreon.com slash uncancelled. Uncancelled, it's a crime. Ain't no more gonna die. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Hello everyone, I'm Tom Cash and you're listening to Uncancelled, the show where we watch and review the first and last episodes of a television show from the last 20 years that was cancelled after only one season, as based on the article on Thrillist.com. So, as always, we have Brandon Marsden as our host. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Tom, what's happening? Not much, not much. And our guest today is Brian Salazar. Is that correct? Did I get that right? That is absolutely correct. Yes. Thanks for having me. And you are from, what is the name of your podcast? I'm sorry. Well, no, I do two different podcasts. The long running comic book podcast called Around Comics, which I've been doing for about 15 years. And then just this year, I started a different podcast called Real Crimes, which is a movie and true crime podcast where I compare Movies based on real events to the actual events that happen. So that's uh, that's the newest oh. one. So yeah, just a very few. Cool. There's six or seven episodes of that out right now. It sounds um, very a very attractive podcast. It's interesting. I've had a lot of fun with it. I'm a big movie fan, and uh, I figured the true crime, uh, you know, is such a huge thing right now. Mm-hmm. I wanted to I wanted to kind of try and get into that space a little bit, but I wanted to do something a little, you know, different. And uh, yeah, decided to, to, I have a list of about 400 movies that are based on or inspired by real events. 
and uh, just slowly kind of going through them. It's uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, that sounds yeah. yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, Relatably, today's show is uh, crime related and also based off a movie. Is that not right, Tom? That is correct. Uh, the show we're going to be reviewing today is Karen Sisko, which was created by Jason Similovic, also responsible for the film Lucky Number no. 11 and the show's Condor oh. and My Own Worst Enemy. It stars Carla G. How do I pronounce her name? Carla Gugino. Gugino. Okay. It stars Carla Gugino as Karen Sisko, who you may know, may know from recent years in her role on Haunting of Hill House which was an incredible show if you haven't seen it it also stars bill duke of predator and Mm. robert forster from jackie brown uh user Mm. chuck t on imdb described the show as smart sexy tough karen cisco is a united states marshal on miami's gold coast in pursuit of dangerous fugitives karen must pick her way through the dark underbelly of the south beach nightlife and the sunshine and glitz of palm beach high life while she struggles to win the respect of her supervisor and her fellow officers karen is barely is a barely concealed weapon who can take down a suspect twice her size she The only man she truly trusts is her father, a retired marshal with a wealth of life experience and street smarts. He's Karen's confidant, counselor, confessor, and her rock when her confidence wavers, which it does every time she tries to connect romantically with a man. (laughs) Based on the the character portrayal by Jennifer Lopez in Elmore Leonard's Out of Sight, 1998, Karen Sisko is a rare combination of action, character drama, and a fresh and original young lead. So it has an IMDb rating of 7.2 out of 10 and a stunning 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I saw that. Which is incredible, in my opinion, (laughs) that you can get that high on on Rotten Uh, Tomatoes. (laughs) Ironically, her father is a retired marshal named Marshall. (laughs) Uh, Makes it a little confusing at times during the episodes. Yes, quite a little bit puzzling. Uh, Marshall, 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 get over here. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Wasn't the most, uh, you know, inventive naming of a character, I don't think. No, it was a little (laughs) lazy. But Robert Forrester, I mean, he brings brings what he has to the table, and he always fits well with, I guess, whatever type of role they give him usually it's an authority old retired yeah well he in the 50s he played uh or uh, not 50 i think 60s actually he was in a television show where he was a cop uh and i think you know he he plays off of that pretty well um we were talking a little bit before thomas and i about uh jackie brown the movie yeah that he's in the quentin tarantino film and you know he plays a bales a bail bondsman so i think he just he works really well in that type of almost, you know, a little stern, fatherly, uh, kind of a straight and narrow guy. Uh, very, you know, a very 50s television cop kind of character. And then you put him in a more modern setting. And, you know, uh, I think that all comes through, especially in this character, too. He's, he has a lot of opportunities, at least in the two episodes that I watched. Surprisingly, a lot of opportunities to, uh, to sort of play on that type. Yeah, I kind of got a. <laughs> Without sharing too much of my opinion right off the bat, uh, at times it kind of seemed like his show, but he didn't have. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't the lead character 
but they certainly gave him plenty of opportunities uh, as if they wanted to highlight him, whether they didn't think Carla Giugino was doing a good enough job or was enough star power. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you look at like the first episode and a pretty impressive cast around her. You know, you have Patrick Dempsey, Bill Duke, Robert Forrester, Benito Martinez, who people might know from The Wire. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they they surround her with a lot of talent. She's she's pretty, I think, unknown at this point in 2003. So, yeah, yeah that that's common, I think, in television. But it did seem like uh, maybe they yeah, they didn't have as much faith in her <laughs> to carry the show, even though her, <laughs> the name of the character is the, is the name of the show. Yeah, I found that a bit uh, puzzling, uh, but she did go on to obviously be successful in her own right. But ultimately, yeah, Karen Sisko, not exactly uh, about Karen Sisko. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the cast was certainly packed. I felt uh, as if they didn't have as much to do, though. You know, She kind of overtook but (laughs) again robert forrester was also right there so there was a dynamic there that it wasn't too it kind of went back and forth and it seemed like it wouldn't spend too much time on either one and i felt like they interfered with each other ultimately i don't know if you got that i i kind of agree it felt like in the first episode there was so many storylines going on so you have you know her basic storyline that initially is she uh she was shot um in in uh duty you know in the line of duty and she's Mm -hmm. sort of coming back from that so you have that whole sort of you know flashbacks to that we're not sure exactly what's going on there she's being not investigated by internal affairs but she's she's having to deal with them they want her to see a psychiatrist so you have that and then you have this relationship she's in with the new guy patrick dempsey and then you have this bank robbery storyline and then separate of all that you have robert forrester who has his own business as a as a private eye he's a retired uh marshal and he still has a private eye business that he runs with a bunch of ex-cons and his whole storyline of him him doing his own case so you have a lot of things going on in this one 40 minute you know pilot episode that i felt like it was a little jam-packed to me they're trying to do a lot of things in in it um including kind of almost tell the entire story from the movie and the book in one episode yeah uh, which i felt was kind of weird yeah there's a reason it's a tv show so you can take your time and spread it across and tell your story develop the characters introduce new characters give them more depth you don't have to cram it all into one time limit it's spread it out over episodes Certainly. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that is something we certainly see now <clears throat> more so uh, with streaming television, Netflix and all the different streaming platforms where, you know, you get a season of television that's almost expanded to the point where, you know, some people will say nothing happens over eight, 10, 12 episodes. Um, but mm-hmm. maybe in 2003, I think things were a little differently. They were they were, you know, especially with a new show and this show was going up against Law and Order. Uh, which is a pretty tough competitor to 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 go against, but I think maybe they were I don't know I I can't say for sure, but it seems like you know they wanted to get 
into the character right away with a pilot. But it was a really strange thing of like, you know, I, well, I have to admit, like, I'm a huge fan of the movie that this is based on and the book. I'm a big say, Elmore yeah. Le- yeah, I'm a big Elmore Leonard fan. And mm. with this, it was like, OK, they throw you into this relationship with she has with Patrick Dempsey. And in the film, a big part of the interesting parts of that film is her sort of falling for George Clooney, a guy that she's not supposed to fall for. And this cat and mouse game between them of she's a police officer he's a bank robber but they have fallen for each other so there's this you know uh, moments where they can't they're they're saying things to each other but they're saying things in between the lines kind of thing and i felt like they tried to do that here with patrick dempsey but they passed over the whole part that was interesting of them getting to know one another and just went straight to well there's a problem here he's a bank robber um, and it just felt like it didn't work real well. It was, it was, it was hurried and rushed and, and not nearly as fun as, as the film is in that sense. Yeah. Uh, Tom, by the way, this was not the actual pilot. Is that you are, I, you, I'm a mile ahead of you. I was just about to bring that up. This actually is, there was an unaired pilot that was recorded mm. before all of this and it was not shown until three years after the series ended. No. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I couldn't track that down. I yeah, I couldn't find it either. Any idea. Well, it says it's unaired, so um, how like how but they have a concept of uh, how someone? Okay, it's an unaired pilot. Where can we see it? How do you know that yeah. it exists? Well, it, it's like, a little puzzling because it does say it was aired in the note that I have, and that's from IMDb. So I wonder if maybe it was aired for a private like a convention or, or, or some sort of like not necessarily on television, but on some sort of closed network or something. Yeah. I, I did know. some, some affiliate. Uh, it could have been for affiliates or something to try and just sell right. the show. Could have right. been. Absolutely. Uh, I know on the, the links that uh, I provided uh, the one that was on the, the, the initial site was, I noticed it was on a different network. Uh, I think it was like Sleuth. Yeah. And then the Daily Motion one was on, I want to say like USA Network or something like that. So it aired. I don't know if it aired across multiple stations at the same time or if Sleuth was just one of those uh, sub networks of a bigger company that airs probably random old shows and stuff like that to fit their narrative, their programming style. Yeah. They probably picked it up, uh, in rerun, you know, and yeah, and that's what it's on. That's a, I think that's what sleuth does or did. I don't even know if they're still around. Yeah. I have no idea. Never heard of them before this or after this probably never. Will. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I have no idea. They might be on like uh, the free channels you get on, you know, Plex or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Plex or, or, you know, one of those like, uh, like Tubi, that free yeah, streaming yeah. service owned by probably, Fox. Probably on there. I had uh, no idea. Uh, quick aside that that was owned by Fox mostly because it has nothing like next to nothing on it. Like there's just, I swear I was watching a movie on there that looked like it was filmed off someone's phone and it was touted as like uh, a second sequel to uh, 
somewhat popular movie that I can't think of, but it was like uh, part three. And it's like, <laughs> it's like filmed on this guy's phone. And it's, it, it looks straight, like, yeah. straight to a website. To, <laughs> that, yeah. That no one and I was see. like, what is this? Like, and then it's like, this is owned by Fox. What, <laughs> what are they just looking to put stuff on there? I guess. So. Sounds like Halloween to the witching hour. Have you guys oh, ever yeah. seen that? It's no. a com- it's yeah because you've got the Halloween with Mike Myers and everything that, and then you is it's, that a number two or or it's number three. Three. three it's three season yeah. of the witch yeah, yeah. season yeah. of the witch I got it mixed up but yeah it's completely a departure from everything it's not a Halloween movie it doesn't make it's sense not, it's not a terrible movie it's as far not. as just a horror movie of the era. But yeah, it's it, it has so nothing confused. to do really, yeah, with with the Halloween or Michael Myers. So. Like, where's Mike Myers? What the hell's where's going Mike on? Myers? Yeah, here you are. You're right there. Seventeen films later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, uh, Karen Sisko though does. I mean, it does stick to the the movie and the novel. That I haven't read the novel, but the movie i'm familiar with and yeah unfortunately it just jams packs jam packs pardon me everything into and there's yeah there's a huge pacing issue there's a huge pacing issue and ultimately i felt style over substance and uh we're going to talk about the the last episode in a bit, but uh, more of the same. Really, the whole the show as a whole. Uh, I was curious to try to find that unaired pilot, but I'm not sure how curious I am considering both episodes. <laughs> uh, you know, you have a first episode and then a, a tenth episode uh, to sort out. You have nine episodes to sort out the pacing, and they didn't. So I'm not confident that, a, I mean, a pilot would change anything. An unaired pilot, not it's probably not going to be better uh, <laughs> than than what you see. If anything, well, it's going to be worse. I would imagine. Since we're talking about episode one, why don't I give it uh, give you guys the description that I got from IMDb? First episode. So the title of this episode is Blown Away. Karen has some trouble writing her report on the apprehension of a fugitive for several reasons. A, a sore chest from a gunshot to her Kevlar vest. B, subsequent memory loss surrounding the events of that night. C, an overeager partner. And D, a dead fugitive. Even an attempt to enjoy her medical leave goes sour when the FBI inform her that her fr- the friendly charter fisherman she's dating might also be a bank robber. But with help from her father, a PI working on a possible insurance scam, and a mysterious new marshal in town, Karen may get to re- may yet recover her memory and get her man. It has a six point seven on out of ten on IMDb. How would you guys rate that? I, I that's probably around where I would rate it. Maybe you know, yeah, six and a half, so somewhere in there. I, I think you know the positives of the first episode. You know, the impressive cast. Robert Forrester is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Carla Gugino is gorgeous, um, and she does yeah. a great job of being sexy and sultry. Um, you know, she's. Uh, I I like the character. Um, I like the setting in South Beach. I think it gives a lot of opportunities for her to run into 
interesting Elmore Leonard esque characters. That's a you know it's a perfect place for that. Um, so it has some positives for sure. I think on the downside of it, on the negatives, it's it's uh, too many storylines, a lot of things jammed in there. Um, I don't know if she's honestly the right person to play this character. As much as I like Carla Gugino, I think she does the sexy part really well, but she's almost too cute and adorable and good looking. Where if you look at the film, Jennifer Lopez, who also can be sexy and sultry, I think she also is able to pull off sort of this hard edge. And Karen Sisko to me is a character that is very dedicated to her job. She's a marshal. She's, you know, that runs her entire life, even to the detriment of her personal lives. And it's one of those things that they play off of in the film much better than I think in the show. Gugino doesn't have that hard edge. I don't think she can pull it off. She's a little too just, you know, I don't know, maybe just not that character um, where she, she doesn't seem like, there's a dangerousness, you know, uh, to her where I bought it more when Jennifer Lopez played the character. Yeah, I think what I remember of the movie is uh, Jennifer Lopez, you know, she's wearing that the uh, baggy uh, oversized FBI jacket a few <laughs> times. Uh, she has, you know, her mate, her makeup is kind of basic. It's not trying to dollar up too much. Right. And they aren't actively always trying to show off her her humps, her body, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, yeah, in this, it's, I mean, I'm trying to think how many times you see Carla Gugino in bed, either, you know, having, <laughs> having sex right, naked, right. Yeah. or there's a couple times in the final episode where she gets awoken. Uh, from a phone call and she's, you know, in her lingerie or, or skimped down to her bedwear in her underwear. And, you know, you get kind of cleavage there. There's and nothing wrong of, with you know, that. No, you know, there's absolutely nothing, you know, not. She's but beautiful. I, but Yeah, she is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it almost pulls away from the show a little bit, just in the sense of like, well, that's fine. But, and we can talk about this as we talk about the, the last episode, but by the time you get to the last episode, they sort of run out of things that make the character interesting and it becomes a little more of a, a one dimensional character. Um, yeah. And and we see then I think what you mentioned, you know, mentioned earlier is it starts to become a bit of the Robert Forrester show as opposed mm-hmm. to the Carla Gugino show. Yeah. That last episode was pure Robert Forrester. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first one, uh, Tom, that description. Yeah. Is it, can you read that again? Just yeah. the, like the last part, which part, uh, I'll uh, just read the, the whole part, thing. The, yeah. Read the whole thing. Karen has trouble writing her report on the apprehension of a fugitive for several reasons. A, a sore chest from a gunshot to her Kevlar vest, B, subsequent memory loss surrounding the events of that night, C, an overeager eager partner, and D, a dead fugitive. Even an attempt to enjoy her medical leave goes sour when the FBI inform her that the friendly charter fisherman she's dating might also be a bank robber. But with help from her father, a private investigator working a possible insurance scam, and a mysterious new marshal in town, Karen may yet <laughs> recover her memory and get her man. 
Okay, that's like I counted nine, I think, subplots you just mentioned <laughs> with like five characters or something like that. Little it's like busy. right there. Like you just need one reason to say she's been shot. And so she's feeling the effects of her shot. And then she has to come back off medical leave. It's like, oh, she's been shot. So now, you know, she's got a sore chest and now her, you know, her head's messed up and. Oh, now there's this, and oh, the guy she's dating, now he's a bank robber, and then she's involved with this other guy, and now she's got a new eager partner. And what about her dad? Her dad's got two things going on, and hey, look at that, like, were they drinking eight cups of coffee while writing this? <laughs> <laughs> it was 2003, it was probably cocaine, honestly, yeah. <laughs> is what fueled this show more than anything. Speed, speed, <laughs> speed. Did like, you guys think that... The, the the where they put the chest wound was just so they could show her cleavage even more. Just another oh, excuse to a hundred percent. It was every scene of her was a plunging neckline. Yeah. It was it was it was it was a testament to what what you get when you get a bunch of guys writing a really beautiful woman. And you're like, it's like a, it's like a, it reminds me of old comic books. You know, like, like you've got like these guys who don't really talk to women all that much, but they got some ideas that they should look like and how yeah, they yeah. should dress. Sure, sure. <laughs> Just, yeah. It's, it's, uh, well, the whole thing right there, what you're describing kind of sums up the whole show, which is style over substance. Mm. But not right. well done. I mean, that first episode is so dark and like hard shadows and oversaturated colors. And and like everything in the 2000s, the early 2000s, you know, I think people were, you know, still trying to replicate the success of something like Pulp Fiction. There was such a, a reverberation from Pulp Fiction into Hollywood that you had shows and movies coming out that tried to replicate that success. And one of the ways they did was trying to do sort of a neo-noir look, you know, but it was this weird yeah. oversaturated colors with super hard shadows. And it's like, this show's in sunny Florida, but somehow every scene looks like it's a Vegas strip club. <laughs> every single, it's just dark and, and bright at the same time, like, like, you know, real heavy colors and super hard shadows. Um, it got better by the last episode, but it was still, it was just like, wow, this is, this is not the best lit show I've ever watched. Yeah, I believe uh, Bill Duke, who plays the the chief, mm -hmm. yeah, he just kind of walks in immediately, and it's like no real, um, yeah, there's no real explanation who he is. I don't think, right or away. why he's on walk Walker canes. Did yeah. you notice that? Like, yes, he's in. He's walking in, and they only show him. A little bit and i'm like why is he why is he on those i don't does bill duke need those or is that the character i couldn't yeah i i felt and to the point of uh carla giugino kind of being you know they're showing her off and she's very beautiful and i felt like um I mean, you have Patrick Dempsey in the first episode who's what, McDreamy, McSteamy? Yeah, one of them. I don't one know which them. one. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, he does give her, uh, you know, an opposite. Um, He's the George know, Clooney to, yeah. of, the, of the show. Yeah, he gives her someone to play off that's equally attractive for 
as an opposite sex and they kind of feed off each other. Yeah, he's a George Clooney. But then I felt everyone else was kind of frumpy or old or, you know, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't try to, you know, sort they really accentualized and like sexualized and really made her the main attraction, like a big roller coaster in a in like a shitty theme park or something. Like that. <laughs> it was, it was like, when are you, why aren't you like I said, the Robert Forrester show, cause everyone else was old or all like, his, all his buddies. Yeah. They're all these like yeah. hard kind of like ex cons, you know, they yeah. all look like Polish, you know, you know, gangsters or, or some uh-huh. sort of, yeah. And, Russian yeah. Mafia, and you're in, once again, you're in Miami, you're in South beach. You can't throw a rock without hitting, you know, a beautiful woman in a bikini, you know, so, or, or, you know, it's just like you have plenty of opportunities yeah, as far or as a the guy with, pieces. I don't know, washboard abs. Like, yeah. Like, whatever. It, even I like the, the other cops that she worked with, the other marshals, the very few and far between interactions with any of them. I mean, the one mm-hmm. who she sort of has interactions with, but not a great actor, just sort of this, you know, standard uh, Ken doll looking guy, just blonde dude that, not much personality and they try and set up some sort of thing Romantic between them angle, yeah but it just didn't seem to to work at all or it wasn't very developed um yeah i, I definitely agree with that there was there was it i think the other part too is like as much as i like robert forrester and i appreciate the relationship between her and her father in a two-hour movie you go to that a couple of times and it's fine in a 40 minute TV show, you go to it 10 times and it seems like, wow, she's really got some yeah. daddy issues. Maybe I don't know if she really <laughs> needs her father there for everything uh, or he doesn't have, you know, he he's constantly smothering his daughter. So it gets a little weird to go back and forth between her sexy scenes with Robert Patrick. And then she's talking to her dad about it. There is know. an article on the Baltimore Sun that covers that exact aspect of the constantly going back to daddy for everything like where they do jam it in like 20 times in a single episode like dad what should i do now dad right i dropped my keys should i pick them up dad (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know like i said in the movie it's it's a couple of times where she really is in trouble and and she really is you know having this complex sort of relationship with george clooney and she doesn't know and you know, she doesn't even really want to talk to her dad about it, but she doesn't have anyone else in her life. And he is an ex-marshal, so she can relate to him in that way. But it's it's very sparsely used in this. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, every time she turns around, there's her dad. Oh, yeah, you're standing behind the kitchen door, you know? like, <laughs> like a horror movie in the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Robert Forrester is just <laughs> spooking her, just kind of like stalking her almost. Yeah. Well. And then there's no explanation to what he is investigating. Like we get, yeah, <laughs> we get him taking pictures of this guy, uh, which he's blatantly taking pictures of him. Like how <laughs> I don't know, he's not hiding behind a, a plant or he's not elevated taking pictures from a second story. He's he's just telling the guy. Uh, that's there he's like oh that's a nice car i'm gonna take pictures of the car and he's blatantly taking pictures of this guy this old (laughs) rich guy with his young uh looking 
spouse or secretary girlfriend, or yeah. whatever. And it's like, and I think then he, Carla Giugino's right there talking with him. <laughs> like, he's just like taking pictures. It's like, yeah, there's just some guy obvious. taking pictures. And I think he this- said something about insurance fraud or something. He was investigating insurance. Uh, the guy was in a wheelchair, right? Like he was ro- getting yeah. rolled around in a wheelchair and he was trying to figure out how to get him to, to jump out of his wheelchair. I, I will say I have a friend who is a private investigator. And, uh, he, you know, he, I always try and get good stories out of him. He's like, yeah, it's mostly insurance fraud. That's, that's pretty <laughs> much the bulk of his work is, is people, uh, with like, uh, workman's comp, uh, cases and, and they're, you know, out doing whatever gardening and they're supposedly not able to work because their backs are hurt or something. So there is a lot of that in the private investigation world. So it was, it was realistic, I guess, but yeah. I feel like they just kind of threw it in there initially just to give him something to do to have Robert Forrester in the show. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, and it's like, and it makes sense. Oh, okay. He's an ex cop and now he's a private eye and we can kind of play with that, but it got to be too much. It was, uh, it was, it was the Robert Forrester show before the end of it, which, you know, me, I didn't mind it, but I don't think that th- that's what they were going for in, in 2003. Yeah. I don't think that's what they're going for when you call it a Karen Cisco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get an old man named Karen. <laughs> very, very rare. Karen Cisco and her dad. Yeah. <laughs> Just call the show Karen Cisco's dad. <laughs> Mr. Cisco. It's the Mr. That Cisco. Fine, Mr. Cisco. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that kind of makes sense that he's getting him to jump out of his chair because I didn't pick up on that. And then I was really wondering what the hell was going on when that guy, I guess Robert Forster hired that guy to smash his car. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, why is he doing that? What is going on? What the, by that point I got lost in all the storylines and I couldn't keep track of (laughs) anything. And, uh, uh, besides the main bank robber one, I, anything else just kind of got lost on me. I was trying to, it wasn't the other ones it wasn't really clear i i I did i do remember having that same feeling initially of like why what is going on here and then i kind of you know paused it for a second and and figured it out and then it's like oh okay that's right he's doing he's investigating this guy for insurance fraud and trying to get him because he mentions to her how do you get a guy to you know jump out of his wheelchair and she said Ah. something like light his pants on fire um (laughs) but instead they had a guy yeah beat his car up with a crowbar yeah (laughs) <laughs> it it makes me think of one of those flash card games where you have the matching pictures and you have to remember where everything is spread out. So you find the, the fork. Ah, oh, the fork's over here. That that's this show. You're having to find the other fork and say, do I remember where these two things are connected or is it just floating in the wind? Yeah. Well, some, sometimes I think, you know, Karen Cisco cr- was created by Elmore Leonard in a short story initially. And then they wrote the movie, uh, you know, about out of sight. And it was, I don't know how successful it was. I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really good. It, you know, kind it was of a fairly place. successful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then it's like, you know, does, does she really, does this character deserve an entire TV show? Is, you know, is it, is there enough legs to this character? And maybe, maybe there is if you go at it in a certain way. But I think one of the most interesting things to me about this character was her relationship with, 
with George Clooney and the idea that she is an, a federal officer hunting a bank robber, but she falls in love with him or she is attracted to him or they have this you know moment. And then it's this complicated relationship and, and she's chasing him, but at the same time she's attracted to him. And, and that's what I think makes the movie work. But once you're past that and they sort of, you know, they do the same thing with Patrick Dempsey and it works in the show. I think that's the best part of this first episode is when she realizes that he is the bank robber and they have this moment, this sort of tense moment where she's still attracted to him. She wants to help him, but she's also dedicated to her job. And I think that's the best part of the show. But once you're past that, then what do you have? Well, now you have just a federal agent and her dad. <laughs> and what do you, you know what I mean? Like you're going to every episode, are you going to have her fall in love with another criminal? You can't really do that. And so I just think that maybe she, there wasn't enough there for this character really to survive a 10 episode or multi-season television show. Like it was, it was a good short story. It was a pretty yeah. good movie. It was a good first episode maybe, but then uh, you're, you're running out of ideas and you can see it by the last episode. They've completely run out of ideas of what to do with her, and it becomes the Robert Forrester show because let's, of this. Let's go on to the ep the last episode. Last episode. So it's called uh He Was a Friend of Mine, and it also holds a six point actually it holds a six point two out of ten on IMDB. Weirdly, I was not able to find a description of this episode either on IMDB or Wikipedia. None whatsoever. So that's odd. But what do you guys think of that 6.2 rating? I mean, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, overall, it's a pretty good episode of television. But it's a, not a very good episode of the Karen Cisco show. If that makes Accurate. sense. It 100% does. 100%. I mean, if you tuned in to watch Robert Forrester be a retired cop who's now a private investigator, you got that show. And it's pretty <laughs> damn good for that show. Uh, but in the meantime, you have Karen Sisko. The, really, the only thing she does in this is they, they sort of manufacture this thing where she, she's on loan to the FBI to help with a drug dealer who runs a club in Miami. And so she poses as a prostitute. And it's like uh, yeah, this it's an escort, yeah. Yeah, it's this watered down version of the first episode plot line of like she's dealing with a guy that, you know, she's pretending to be something she's not. He's pretending to be something he's not. And so there's that tension there, but it's just not very good. And and it's like, why why is she in this situation? She's a federal marshal. She shouldn't, you know, they don't really, I don't think they really put federal marshals on loan to the FBI for no. undercover jobs. Like it, it just was like this very bizarre thing. And 80% of the episode was Robert Forrester hunting down the killer from one of his ex cons. Yeah. One of his friends. Yeah. Is, uh, <clears throat> yeah. One of his, which, what is the, okay. So the initial scene, they're playing poker and, mm -hmm. Yeah, Mordecai, who is the guy that gets killed, um, he plays Karen's hand. Yeah, she's like, like she gets up to like make a sandwich and so yeah. or something, and, 
And so Mordecai's playing her hand. Uh, and he and, beats Marshall, and then yeah. he's like, Marshall, I fucking read you like a book. And yeah. then walks out. Whatever. Or she then, yeah, it was a bit weird because you got the vibe that it was her father's friends and they were all playing poker. And then the, and then the, she and Mordecai, they change a kiss on the cheek, mm-hmm. but then there's also like, as it's sort of like, I don't want to say because there's no way there was a romantic angle there, but the no, I think they, it was it was a fatherly sort of thing. But it is it was a very ham-fisted moment where yeah. his his Saint Christopher medal is hanging out of his shirt, and she takes it and and tucks it back into his shirt. And it was just a reason for us to see that he's wearing a Saint Christopher medal. But it was a, you know it was kind of a poorly written scene. Yeah, it was poor. It was weird. Yeah. It was like creepy and. Awkward. Yeah, it was very odd when they first. Well, I think part of it might be because we didn't watch the eight episodes in between. So Possibly. maybe, maybe there was more of their relationship sort of explained in between at times that it would have made more sense. But yeah, going from episode one to episode 10, then all of a sudden there's this sort of close relationship between Mordecai, who we did see in the first episode, but mm-hmm. all we knew of him is he was an ex con. And now he's like, Oh, he was her babysitter almost <laughs> like kind of yeah. relationship. I think when the Robert Forster, her dad gets into, they get onto that story where he was an alcoholic and he disappeared for a while. Mm-hmm. That's maybe the Mordecai character kind of took care of her and helped raise her perhaps. That Something along that. Yeah. Kind of explains it. Uh, <clears throat> And then we get that he, I guess he's probably in the whole series, so you may have had a better reference, but he gets killed uh, in a sort of exchange gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not too sure exactly what that was. Uh, And then, yeah, and then so it takes off. Robert Forster is now on a vengeance to... Uh, find out who killed his friend, uh, ex-con Mordecai. <laughs> yeah, the cops write it off as uh, an overdose, even though he was he had injuries. So it's very strange. Robert yeah, Forster doesn't Blunt quite force head trauma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's full of heroin, and uh, um, there's a case that he had brought there, but it's empty. But his fingerprints are all over it, and there was traces of heroin in it. So it's sort of this mystery. But it, yeah. It, this is where it becomes the Robert Forrester show. And now he's trying to figure out who really killed his friend Mordecai while Karen is uh, dressing up in, in a wig, a really bad wig and yeah. a slinky slinky uh, dress, short dress and going to a, a club in Miami to hang out with a sleazy drug dealer. Yeah. Sleazy guy who she has no interest in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she makes that c- clear. But he is obviously into it because, I mean, well, it's Carla Gugino. <laughs> we already said yeah. that she's beautiful. But, but uh, yeah, so that's, yeah, like you said, they try to kind of redo the dynamic. Uh-huh. But they fail because 
she is like there's no she has no interest in him like right she's literally being forced to be in a relationship with someone she doesn't want to be and pretend that um she's interested in him and meanwhile he's you know this kind of i don't know creepy dude uh who runs this uh club and and is selling drugs out of it and is very talkative about his business seems very very strangely for a drug dealer seems really willing to talk to anyone about it but uh yeah it's almost like a metaphor for a like why the show ended um they're they're forcing her to try and recapture what makes the character interesting in the first place but they're doing it in in a backwards way um because they i don't know they don't seem to have any other ideas for her and i think it kind of really shows why this show got canceled because you get to the point where okay we don't know what to do with carla gugina's character any longer let's let's really write more for robert forster to do and maybe he can save the show yeah or you get a spinoff somehow and she i don't know what happens to her i have no idea uh i think spy kids is where i (laughs) she goes (laughs) she does sin city spy kids yeah she ended up you know being pretty successful but yeah i think she was in watchmen too she was in watchmen yeah Yeah. she was in watch she she had another show uh i cannot think of the name of it where she played sort of a a bit of a karen cisco character as well but it, it was another one season thing it might have been on hbo or something like yeah. that tom can you look into that yeah uh, i can't i just cannot it was a it was a kind of an oddly named show and i can't remember the name of it yeah anyways the metaphor yeah of what this show happened <laughs> what happens to the show is also kind of uh uh the show ultimately when they like i touched on before when they have her interrupted from a phone call while sleeping twice, it's like, (laughs) okay, when you go back to like once is like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. But then twice in one episode, like how many times are you going to just, Oh, we don't know what to do with her. So we'll just repeat what happened last time to show her. Like she's still, uh, you know, yeah, we got to put her, we got to put her in, in lingerie. We got to put her in a little dress. We got to put her, you know, Hey, well, let's make her a, a call girl that, you know, then we, we have ways of her being sexy or being, yeah. you know, but, but really they, I think they just misunderstood, you know, maybe why this character was popular at all in the first place, you know, and, and, and the sexiness is part of it, but it's only half of it. You know, the other part is the, is sort of the, the fact that she is conflicted about the men that she ends up falling for. And, you know, it's the, it's a, it's not a real complicated story, but it's maybe one that without it. Okay. Now what do you do? What do you do? You know, I think, I think the show could have been successful. I think they could have made a good Karen Cisco show. I think she's an interesting enough character, but I think you had to find some other angle with her other than that initial thing of like, why, you know, and maybe play on it. Like, okay, she makes these bad decisions based on, you know, attraction or based on maybe something else in her life. Maybe go backwards and figure out why does Karen Cisco fall for bad guys, even though she is a, you know, federal federal marshal. 
and play on that. I don't know. I, I you know, I'm not a, a, a TV writer, but I think they just didn't really do any of it and just was sort of like, well, let's just make her sexy and that'll be enough. And it obviously wasn't. The name of that show, I believe, was Jet. That is it. Yes. Jet. Jet. With two T's. Yes. Yeah. Very uh, stylized. Yeah. World-class thief Daisy Jet Kowalski is just out of prison and already being forced back into what got her there by a group of eccentric and dangerous criminals. Sounds sort of uh, like she could play a similar character. Yeah. I, <laughs> it, 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 I remember watching a couple episodes of it. I didn't. I didn't hate it, but it was another sort of, you know, style over substance kind of thing. It felt like poor Carla Gugino. <laughs> <laughs> I really yeah. like her. I mean, I'm a, I'm yeah. a fan, uh, and you know, she went on to to do plenty of things. I don't think she's hurting. No, for, definitely uh, not. She has been very successful, but it just yeah. hasn't worked out in TV land. Yeah, and still gorgeous at in her fifties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So, um, uh, this is a, this, I'm very interested to, to see what you guys call the best episode. Better episode. Um, for me, it was the first episode. I, well, okay. Can I, can I kind of give it a caveat? The first episode I think is the best Karen Cisco episode. Um, I think that, you know, even though they try and cram everything from the movie into one episode and they put a bunch of other storylines, um, I think that it's the it's the episode of the two that is the most Karen Cisco, the most fun to watch Karen Cisco in. She ha- does have this relationship with Patrick Dempsey, who's also very good. And they have the scenes of, you know, the the sort of cat and mouse game between the two of them. There's a couple of different scenes. The the one where she finds out that he's the bank robber and then the one where she confronts him at the end, I think, is pretty good. I think those were the best scenes of of the two episodes. And. And so I think that the first one was the better Karen Cisco episode. You know, selfishly, as a Robert Forrester fan, I think the second episode is is maybe a better episode of television, um, but it's not a Karen Cisco episode. It's terrible. It's a terrible, terrible Karen Cisco episode. She her scenes are awful. The scene with her in in the 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 uh, club with the club owner guy are some of the worst written television scenes I've ever seen. I mean, it's just awful. The guy just comes off as a creep and uh, kind of a a tool and it's poorly written and she doesn't even know what she's doing there. And it's just the whole setup for that is bad. It's just really, really bad. But um, yeah, yeah, so I I would say (laughs) the first one to me was probably, uh, you know, the better of the, of the two episodes. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I can see how you say that. That's, it was tough for me. And I, I don't, uh, I mean, the plot wise, the plot was stronger in the last episode. It stuck to one plot, but again, that plot was Robert Forster's plot. Yeah, it yeah. was not nothing to do with Karen Cisco, really next to nothing besides you know it, it being her dad and her dad's friend uh, convict mm-hmm. that dies um that she grew up knowing and they sort of gets like we said gets tied to her back in the end it's she ties it back to her but th- there's not a lot 
of reasons for her to even be in this. And so (laughs) as far as that, the first episode might be better, but there's a shit ton of pacing issues. Um, There's like, there's a lack of supporting character depth. There's a bunch of thrown in, like you get two scenes of the Bill Duke character. You, that are brief you get her as you touched on before the the other marshals in her office mm-hmm. that you she has very brief interactions with did you guys sorry i don't not to interrupt but did you ever notice that every time she talked to that other uh, marshal guy um I, I swear he couldn't help but look down at her chest every single time <laughs> every scene like he would look at look at her boobs and then and then start talking to her i i just noticed that i'm like all right well i I can't blame them but you know (laughs) surprised that they they left that in editing (laughs) pull them aside hey (laughs) i didn't notice that no but yeah uh, i didn't notice that either that's funny (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if that's intentional like was that some in the editing room, like we know this guy, we're gonna make him look bad. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Been. I just no one's it. watching anyway. Like, Could fuck it, been. why not? <laughs> I just yeah. noticed it a couple of times. I'm like, yep, he's looking at her tits for sure. He's nice. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah. That already makes it a better episode. No. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, the show just doesn't make me care about anything other than like looking at Carla Gugino. So I mean, yeah, to uh, be fair, it, like <laughs> he's like, I don't care about this show. I'm happy to be here looking at Carla Gugino's cleavage. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, so was I. I was happy to be there looking at her cleavage. But as far as the show was ultimately uh, kind of a, a waste, and to say a better episode is. Uh, the better episode is the last one because we get rid of Carla Gugino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I, I, I say the first one with a caveat. It's it's to me, it's the better Karen Cisco episode, but it's it's yeah, the second one is probably a better episode of television. Uh, if I was just judging it, you know purely on that it yeah it's it seems like a better episode it's it's a really it's <laughs> a really good robert it's a really good robert forster <laughs> episode Maybe that's the whole irony is why the yeah. first one was kind of had a whole pacing issue and had so many storylines because they were so distracted by carla gugino and then she's barely in the last one so they can get a coherent plot <laughs> we had to fire all the writers yeah. uh, like, stop we had staring. to get rid of everyone and just have robert forster write the show dude so what- you, you can't just keep writing her in bed answering yeah. the phone we need her to do something else yeah so what you're implying is that the episode 10 is the post nut clarity episode of Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah so, yeah, all right we yeah. can now have a we're all gonna write right. about this old guy we we've, we've gotten past yeah <laughs> we've gotten past this will be the most misogynistic episode of uncancelled oh sure. by far <laughs> uh, warning 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 not our fault gosh 
That's what hey. they did. Hey, I yeah. listen. I'm more than happy to have a, a well written show with Carla Gugino in it. I don't you know what I mean. Like she can she's... she can wear suits and you know baggy clothes. I, you know, that's fine too. I just you know you got to write it better. You got you you know it's not my fault. The writers you couldn't help it. Yeah, but yeah. not right. They really didn't give us much else to do. No, no. But sit, sit there and stare at her yeah. in every single scene where she's softly lit and it's just the right angle and and the plunging neckline and yeah. Uh, but don't look. Don't be a chauvinist and look. Stop looking. Let's make yeah. her an escort. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but stop looking at her. Gosh. So, oh. was there a best scene to be had from all of this? scene um um i would say the the last uh, uh scene of the pilot where she shoots carl kind of showing that she can ultimately stick to her moral code no matter what and she's uh dedicated to her job and it kind of gives you that uh what her character is about like okay yeah there is this obvious uh connection and she uh, does have feelings and she kind of wants him to get away but ultimately she sticks to her guns and shoots carl <laughs> I would yeah i i think yeah. that was a good episode i my personal favorite one was the one where she figures out um that patrick dempsey is a bank robber and is sort of giving him the opportunity to confess or to run away or, you know, something, you know, basically telling him, listen, I'm going to give you, give you a shot at getting out of here. But if you go through with this, I'm, I'm going to arrest you. And uh, I felt like that was the most like the character, like that, that moment. And I thought it was pretty well done. I thought Patrick Dempsey was good. Uh, he's charming and, and, you know, a debonair kind of guy. And at the same time, I think he pulled off, a sympathetic character because he is doing this for maybe not the worst reasons uh, you know he's trying to get out of debt he's not a bad bad guy um but i felt like that was to me the the um my favorite episode of of either of the two seasons or either of the two episodes i should say okay well conversely what about a worst scene worst scene um, all of the slow-mo stylistic things, <laughs> like where that guy leaves her apartment and it's just him slow-mo walking and then it like fades because they didn't know where to go with the next shot. So they just have him wa exiting her apartment and then walking down the hallway and then it uh, time lapses to where he's past the staircase when he was before the staircase and it kind of was tries such to an it. odd choice. I agree it, with you. 100%. Yeah. And it's like slow-mo and tries to make it stylistic, but it's like this just, you could have gone to another, you could have gone to Robert Forster. What's he doing? Like you could have <laughs> gone to anything. You didn't need to see this guy leaving her apartment. You know? It was so unnecessary. And there were a I few have... more like that for sure. Uh, Brian, yeah. what did you have? Yeah. Um, it was a toss up. There was in the first episode, the scene where Patrick Dempsey is found out and, and his 
his partner gets shot at the bank robbery and then he takes off. And there's the scene where he sort of pulls uh, his car under a overpass and is slamming his hands on the um, steering wheel. He doesn't really say anything, but he's, I guess he's very upset because the bank robbery went bad and it just came off as a, as a child's tantrum. Like it was this weird sort of like, <laughs> no, no kind of thing. And it's like, all right, I guess that's, that's one way to play it. Uh, Patrick Dempsey. I didn't, it, it just seemed really silly. Um, but then that was what I first wrote down. But then when we got to the last episode and the first scene where she is the, uh, call girl and she goes to the bar and hangs out with the drug dealer bar owner guy, I just thought it was so bad. It was so poorly written. And this guy is just, it's just all exposition. He's just sort of like explaining his entire operation to her, but he won't, he won't, ever, he won't ever really say that he's a drug dealer, but he, he tells her every single thing else. He talks about his cars. He talks about everything. And he's just kind of a douche and there's no real stakes involved. There's no danger. There's no, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing. Yeah. They, did, they didn't set up anything like, if she fucked up, she would actually be in trouble. Like the worst thing that would happen is he would get away or he would know that, you know, yeah. she already knew. Yeah. I mean, they I tried, mean, but it just didn't work. How many times in to think of how many times in movies and TV shows where that there's that kind of thing. Like it's been done before where an undercover agent is dressed as an escort or whatever to try mm-hmm. to get this guy. And then she wants to get away, but he pulls a knife on her. Yeah, something like, where if there's you get danger. Away, if yeah. you get away, I'll kill you or whatever. It's well, like, yeah, like if, if I, they don't even set up the idea that if he finds out that she's undercover, like if, if all of a sudden her wire falls out and, and hits the ground, that she would be in trouble. There's like six agents in the bar. This guy isn't dangerous in any way. He doesn't seem intimidating. He doesn't seem, you know, dangerous, really. He, he, he does, doesn't make any threats. Um, you know, so there's no, there's just no stakes in the scene. Like it's a useless kind of scene. It's, it's almost done for comedy more than it is for any kind of tension or drama. What is the most unintentionally hilarious moment that was in this show that you watched? Unintentionally hilarious, AKA it's so funny. I forgot to laugh. Uh, well, I don't know if it was how funny it is, but I found it very strange. Um, the name of Bill Duke's character, the chief, his name was Amos Andrews, which I don't know. You guys might be too young to remember, uh, the Amos and Andy, Amos and Andy, the notorious blackface radio duo from the forties and fifties that were canceled in, in 1953. Yeah. It's like, who named this guy Amos Andrews? What? Yeah. Like you're telling me that was an accident? Like no, what yeah. the hell was that? Like, <laughs> that just, I when I first heard that, I'm like, his name's Amos, and then I looked up the cast list, and like his name's Amos Andrews. Like nobody. That's either intentional or one of the dumbest, uh, you know, unintentional racist things to yeah, do to a, that, to a guy uh, like Bill Duke, you know? That's like if his name was Tom and the first scene they introduced him was, Uncle Tom! Uncle yeah, Tom! Yeah, exactly! Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, nobody thought of that. Amos Andrews. Like, that reminds me of, uh, I was reading this story about WWE and they just renamed a guy and it ends up that it was the person that they wanted to rename 
two is actually like a Nazi character or oh something god. from the 40s. <laughs> oh my god. And it's like nobody knew and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> How many damn research, writers but... does WWE have? And nobody Himmler was like, hammer. wait a second. <laughs> and they filed they even filed like a trademark for this name. And then that's when they discovered that it was already this fucking Nazi character. Oops. It's like, holy fuck. <laughs> wow. Some well, people. I mean, you know, we've had, uh, you know, wrestling has had a long history of sort of playing with racial tensions in characters. I mean, the Iron Sheik and, and mm. you know, that kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's usually done with sort of tongue in cheek and, and with a, a knowing, you know, wink of, you know, everybody, everybody's in sort of in on the joke. But yeah, that, that, that seems pretty bad. I think if, it's, naming so you no know, your next character himmler or you know Adolf, <laughs> not a good not a real good idea uh, uh, so, so would you guys watch the rest of this series uh, no i might i mean i'm so i was such a fan of the movie uh, I'm such an Elmore Le- Leonard fan that I might watch the rest of it. I, I, I'm certainly not going to rush out and hunt it down. But if it was, if it was sort of like, oh, it's on Hulu now or something, you know, Netflix put on season one of, I probably would watch the rest of it just to just to see what uh, what happens in between. Yeah, I feel like that's a good point. If I saw it, I would probably be like, oh, hey, this is on here. Oh, hey, well. Ah, what the hell? Let's see, you know, episode two or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but yeah, not, I mean, it is easy enough to access, but uh, I'm not going to intentionally seek it out. So I'm not positive. Yeah. I did think that it had good music. I think they, they used music oh, pretty yes. well. Yeah, I agree. It. There was some, there were some good tracks. So that was, that was some one of the more positive music. Absolutely. Yeah um yeah well that brings us to the part of the show where we lay it all down on the table does this show get a new season would you reboot it would you like to see a movie or does this show belong in the trash the big question is would you uncancel it uh i would love to say yes being a elmore leonard fan and liking the character i, I you know i think that um there's still some potential there. I love the idea of the complicated relationship tensions that made the film interesting, sort of the sexiness and the messiness of, of her relationships. But I think that unless you can find something else to do with this character, some other reason to sustain, even if, you know, even if say they went back to the beginning and was like, okay, we're going to have a Patrick Dempsey, George Clooney sort of relationship with Karen Sisko, but we're going to do it over an entire season. So that there's this sort of cat and mouse chase between the two of them over 12 episodes of TV. Okay, that might work really well. But then you get to the end of that, and then what? Then what do you do with the character? So, you know, and selfishly, I would like to see it, but I think, um, you know, I don't think it needs a movie since it already had a movie. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, uncanceling it. Honestly, there's probably already better shows like it uh out there now than than this one um yeah uh not at this point is what it's like 
No, I mean, I put not at this point. Carla Giugino is gorgeous, though. That is what <laughs> I put. No, no doubt. I kind of want to see her, but eh, no, not worth the show. Uncanceled. Oh, hell no. You can always go watch whatever else she's been in, which is a lot. She's been very successful. And there's no need to bring this back. Plus, uh, the best aspect of the show is Robert Forster, and he's not <laughs> coming back from the dead. So. Right. Put a fork in it. It's done. So uncancelled, it's a grub. Ain't no more gonna die. Wait a minute. Throw some hers and ours in there. What's your hurry?